Good morning, everybody. I know we are in a unique circumstance. So right now we're just trying to do something a little bit different than we normally do. We're in a different location in our auditorium and a few people have been able to make it. So they're here with us. We've probably got five people in the room and so we're thankful they're here safely. But if you saw our parking lot right now, it's snow with a layer of ice underneath and we just, uh, the elders made a decision to keep everybody safe rather than someone get harmed. So if you cannot hear us or the audio is not good, we just need you to put a, a, a thing in the chat right now and somebody will make some adjustments and we'll get that fixed. But we're not going to spend too much time. We're going to give a, a little uh, time to wait on people to come in. So while we do that, let me just kind of give you a couple of announcements. Um, if you're in East Tennessee, and I know most of the people tuning in today will probably be from our church. I know we have a lot of people that watch from out of state. One of the things that we are trying to get out is communication on how to handle weather situations. And so the thing that we're using right now that's the most effective and easiest for you, I don't have Facebook or any social media myself, so I use this system. It's the 97000-97000. If you take that number and you text that number and just use the words Grace Family, all one word, don't put a space in it, you'll get signed up for any of our weather updates or any campus closings or anything that we've had to adjust in time due to schedule. So get that in your phone right now. If you want to get it out, put 97,000 in, send a text message in the text message. All you're texting is Grace family and you'll be signed up for our weather updates. And so for those of you logging in from out of state and we've gotten a lot of messages from y'all in the past week and we're very thankful for that. Um, I know many of you have been reaching out to my family just um, with your thoughts and prayers and, and that has meant a lot. And so we're very thankful for your kindness. Um, we, we are so glad you're joining us today. If it looks a little different, it's because it is. We are upstairs and hanging out and doing our service here. So we're going to go ahead and get started today. Um, uh, before we do that, I will say at the end, we're going to give a chance. Some people have texted us saying, hey, how do we tithe? How do we give on a day that's closed? We're going to give you a link in the chat that you can go to and continue your tithe if you'd like to or if you're able. We'll also put our address there. If you're like me, I write checks for my tithe. And so if you'd like to do that and mail that in, we'll drop a address here in a little bit. So we'll do that at the end. But let's go ahead and pray. We're going to dive right into the sermon today. Uh, we're so glad that you're here with us. We're praying that you are safe and that you are warm, and we're praying excitedly about what God's going to do here. I'm going to ask you, as we pray, to pray for me. It is more nerve-wracking to speak to a camera than it is to a room full of people. So this is out of my bubble and out of my normal, and I just don't want to be in my head. I want to be in God's Spirit speaking His truth. So pray for me as I pray for you in this moment. God, thank you for this day that you've given us and this opportunity that we have just to be here um, even in weather situations that are not ideal, you can still meet with us in our homes, in our cars, wherever they are, they're tuning in right now. I just pray that their hearts are prepared and open, that our hearts that are sitting in this room are prepared and open for what it is that you want to do in our lives. And I just pray that right now we won't be speaking to try to impress or, or to try to make sure that we have a service, but instead, God, that your truth and your word would just come raining out in this moment. You are such a good God, and we're very thankful for who you are how present you are in every area and season of our life. And so today, may it not be any less. May we stand boldly proclaiming your truth and may our hearts and minds be open and ready to experience what it is that you want to share with us for your glory and you alone. May we further your kingdom today and may we more reflect you in the way we leave this service as we do starting it. So thank you, God, for all that you've given us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So this week, I've been thinking a lot about what we should share and where we should go. Um, last week, God was very, very clear on what he wanted shared after the death of my father. And what a cool thought that he gave us. And it's really trying, it changed my perspective in a lot of areas of life and trying to look at things a little bit different and um, experience life a little bit different, more slow down and look at it from God's point of view than just being aggressive and kind of to keep going and and and. So last night, I actually even made the statement to my wife. It's it's difficult when one Sunday you're coming in knowing clearly here's exactly where you're supposed to go. And the next week you've been seeking God and you've been you've been looking for him. And it's it's not as clearly defined. But then, of course, last night as I laid in bed, he does what he always does. He just kind of takes what you've been planting in your heart each each day, each week. And he, he develops and makes it clear. And so today, it's it's no doubt. We need to go to Matthew chapter number 11. So if you've got your Bibles or if you're electronic, uh, grab your Bibles there. We're going to go to Matthew 11. We're going to read, starting in verse number 28, just the last few verses. And they're very familiar. So as we read through this, you're going to be like, I have heard this preached 
a ton of times. And truthfully, I have heard this passage preached a lot too. However, in my life and in my walk, this passage is so needed. It is something that in my heart, I know that I need to rest in and I need to lean on. Sometimes I don't know about you in my heart and in my life, I can know the word of God and I can see clearly what it's saying, but still have a hard time applying it and still have a hard time leaning on it or remembering it in times that may be difficult or times that might be overloaded or times when we're just busy and going through life. It's easy to forget the things of God. And I, I know I've got like six people in the room. I'm sure I'm not the only one, right? Like we all have those moments. And so as, as I was sitting and thinking over these verses, takes a new shape, a new form. Let's read them. And then I'm going to give you three words that I want you to circle, which will lead to a fourth word that God intends for us to have. So read it with me. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. King James Version says, learn of me. He says, because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. I want you to underline that. And I want you to keep that close. We're going to come back to it. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give is light. So three words I want you to underline and I've got them circled in my digital Bible. Uh, I've got them circled and highlighted in my physical Bible. It's three words that I think we kind of need to keep in our mind consistently from this chapter. Uh, number one is come right? Um, the second action we see is take. And the third action we see is learn. He says, come, take, learn. And so today, if we, if we can do this, we're going to break this down. We're going to look at this. What's it mean to come? And what's it mean to take? And what, it, what is it that we need to learn? What is it that we will get in situations? And the result, if we're doing an equation, it's almost like one plus two plus three equals this. So A plus B plus C equals rest. Take, uh, come, take, learn equals the rest of God. I remember having a conversation with a dear friend of mine, somebody that I look up to tremendously in their spiritual walk, uh, Phil, an amazing teacher for children, amazing man. His wife, Sandy, they're incredible. They're, they're people that come to our church. As a matter of fact, they drive like an hour and a half one way to get here. And, and they just, they, they have wisdom as so many other people that I know do. But he said to me one time when we were talking about rest on the seventh day, God rested, we were talking about creation. And he, he posed this question that's forever kind of stuck in my mind when I hear God and, and his words speak about rest. He said, well, what does the rest of God look like? Because I don't know about you. I hear the word rest and I immediately think nap. Anybody else? Like my chair, my eyes closed, a glass of water on the table, maybe a football game going and I'm resting. But the rest of God, the Bible says he never grows weak and he never grows weary. So, you know, to say that God laid down and took a nap, that's not the same. But then we hear this and, and we understand that when God says, Come to me, um, and, and if you're laboring and, and, and you got heavy burdens and you're weary, and I will give you rest, we, we don't see the rest of it say rest means nothing and doing nothing. It actually transforms, and it equals taking something from God, learning something from God, and restoring your soul. So the rest of God isn't a renewal of the body. It's a renewal of the mind and a renewal of the spirit. And I don't know if anybody else in the chat or anybody else in the room is like me, a lot of times I can easily rest my body, but it's my mind and my soul that a lot of times gets neglected in the rest process. A lot of times I can say, okay, I need to sit down because, you know, I'm out of breath. Like I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be, and I probably weigh just a little bit more than I used to. And so me walking up a hill today is a whole lot different on my body than me walking up a hill 10 years ago. And, and I know sometimes I can go and do something, and I realize that I can't do it like I did it in my 20s. I can't do it like I did it in my early 30s. Um, I'm going to hang on to the 30s for a couple more months before we hit the 40s. But I, I know that in my life, I am realizing that my physical body has to have more rest than it used to. And so I can easily say, hey, I need a break. I need a, I need a, I need a stop because my muscles are tired or my body's tired. But how often am I recognizing that my heart's tired and my head's tired? And that the only way that that gets rest is through God's method and not our own. And so today, let's look at this and let's look at first what it means to actually come to God. And I want you to take this and, and I want you to write it down. A lot of times when we come to God, it, it, it's, it's a lot of times literally in desperation. And, and I've heard it said so many times, a, a breakdown is always a door to a breakthrough. A lot of times when somebody gets to a breakdown and life gets hard and difficult and overloading, we get to places to where we start allowing ourselves to think something needs to change. Something needs to be different. 
And I think in truth, if we're going to come to God, a lot of times people come to God when they are in need. And I do that often. And I, you know what I love? God loves that. He loves when we come with our needs. He loves when we come with our burdens. Matter of fact, in this passage, he's saying, if you've got heavy burdens, if you've been working and you're tired, bring them to me. God wants them. And so I don't want for a minute to belittle that because I think sometimes we're like, well, you always go to God with your needs and sometimes you just need to go to God. No, here's the thing. God wants you to bring every need. Matter of fact, Philippians 4, right? And that what he tells us, always be praying, telling God exactly what we need. He wants to hear the things that are on your mind. Matter of fact, anybody that loves you wants to know what you're going through, not just physically. Who they want to know emotionally and mentally. And God is a lover of you more deep and, and, and secure and real than any other person that you've ever had in your life. And so for us to say, hey, stop going to God with your needs. No, go to God with your needs. But sometimes we need to add thanksgiving and gratitude and other things to that. If I only went to my wife with my problems, our relationship would eventually become strained. Number one, she can't be the savior of my problems, nor can I be the savior of hers. She has her own hurts and her own things to work through. So do I. And so she can't carry my burdens all the time. I can't carry hers all the time. I'm there and I want to know them. But sometimes we need the, hey, I'm thankful for you. Like, hey, I see what you're doing and you're such a good mom and shout out if you're watching, you are. And you're such a good wife and another shout out, you are. But you, you need to hear the good just as much as you hear the need, right? But God's different. He, he can take this, your burdens. He can take the praise. He can take it all and, and he deserves it all. And so if you want an intimate relationship, you come into God, you got to bring him everything. But here's what I have found. A lot of times to come to God, you got to get tired of your circumstances. Um, if I'm in a heavy burden and a time that's overloading for me, normally my, my knee moment when I hit my knees, if we're going to use that metaphorically, I'm not saying this. You're not going to have to get at your knees at your bed all the time and not going to have to get at your knees in your car. Sometimes it's driving down the road and you just hit your break moment and not the breakthrough, but the breakdown. And at some point you get to the point where you are just sick and tired of life always going the way it's going. Anybody ever been there? Say yes to that. Yeah, you, you get tired of things always being this ro rotating routine or this ritual where, you know, we see it. The whole Old Testament is this, where the children of Israel loved God and then they would fall into this like, oh, I'm complacent with God. Oh, I don't need God. Now I'm worshiping other things and now I am broken and I am devastated. And guess what I need? God. And they would do this cycle again and again. It's almost like being in a marriage or being in a relationship or a friendship to where it's, it's always the same. You, you're madly in love and then, ah, oh, we don't really care about each other. Oh, now we resent each other and now we're arguing and we make up and blah, blah, blah. What if the makeups never had to happen because we were consistent in the way we were in our relationships? What if the makeups weren't a, a, a cyclical thing and instead were just a natural thing because we truly understood that we're going to get angry. The Bible says get angry, don't sin. But we don't have to have wrath a part of our lives. I was thinking about that verse the other day. I normally hear it preached that don't let the sun go down on your wrath means don't go to bed mad. No, you're going to go to bed mad. But don't go to bed having done something that needs to be made right. Don't let the sun set on your wrath. You said something you shouldn't have said, make it right. You did something you shouldn't have done, make it right. Don't let it set on the bad behavior because you don't know if the sun's rising tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to get an opportunity to make those things right. You can go to bed mad at each other. You can't go to bed having spited hurt or vengeance against someone. It needs to be settled. Matter of fact, that's where he talks about if you go to the altar and you're, you're making your offering and you realize that you've got a disagreement, you've got some hostility between somebody, leave your offering, go settle that and come back. God cares more about the consistency of our relationship than he cares about any other thing in our lives. He wants our relationship with him to be constant. He wants our relationship with other people to be constant. But sometimes in order for a marriage to change and sometimes in order for a, a, a mindset to change or a life to change, we've got to get sick and tired of the circumstances just repeating themselves. Matter of fact, can I say this? And let's just give you a challenge. If, if your marriage has done the same thing for the last 20 years, it's time to get help. It's time to come to God and get help. Time to go to God's people and get help. If you're an addict that's been in the same addiction, you get clean for five days, you get clean for 60 days, you get clean for six months, and then the next thing you know, you're right back in it. It's time to come. It's time to get sick of the circumstances that continue to happen in your life. And that leads to number two. A lot of people come to God when they're sick of the feelings that they have. They're tired of feeling the way they feel. Um, matter of fact, that's the only way I go to a doctor. 
It's when I get so sick of how I feel that I'll go seek help. Truth is, is spiritually, we do that too. We get to a place where we're just so tired of how we feel and how things are going that we'll finally get to a place of humility. And I have found this, that trials and tribulations, struggles and hardships are great humblers. They will bring us to a place many, many times that we get to a realization that we cannot do this on our own. That absent of God, we are in trouble. We are in great need of him. A lot of major change in our life does not happen until we get desperate about the way we feel. Till we say, I don't want to be this way. That's the circumstance behavior-wise. Or feel this way anymore. I remember one of the first sessions I had with my personal counselor sitting down with Dr. John Woodward, who's an amazing man of God. And, and I remember him looking at me and saying, you know, a lot of times we get to these points in our lives where we break through from the self-life to the Christ life, where Christ becomes the center. And we have found that normally when it comes to pastors, we love talking with them, but to get them through the door, they have to go through something devastating. And I know that that's not just the truth for pastors. We're a little bit hard-headed. And I know I'm probably speaking to somebody through a camera in the room that has a little bit of stubborn in them too. And you, if you're sitting there, by the way, saying, I'm not stubborn, your stubbornness is saying that. All right, just telling you, we, we have stubborn problems. And a lot of times we'll say, not me, I don't need the help until we cannot go on any longer or we cannot function any longer the way we are. So I heard this in my counseling session that there's, Three major reasons that people will change. Pain, perspective, and no other option. If I'm hurting and my hurt is deep, I'll get help. And so the thing is, is you might be someone that's easy to go to the doctor and easy to go tell somebody what's going on. But are we quick to go to God and realize that if we are spiritually off, we will be mentally, emotionally off. And if you're spiritually, mentally, emotionally off, promise you, Physical off is coming. Physical pain is coming. Your body will shut down. I one time heard Rick Warren say this. He said, if you don't take time to rest, your body will make time to rest. And I don't know if anybody's leave that. I'll raise my hand and say, I've had those days where I've hit a wall and I'm so tired I can't get out of bed. So tired I can't function. So tired I can't grab a thought. And yes, your body will shut down. But I'm telling you this right now. It's a dangerous place to be when you start getting to a subconscious state that you can't hear the Holy Spirit clearly and you can't understand the word of God clearly because you're so bogged down with the burdens of life that you have no mental capacity of being able to open yourself to hear God's direction. Matter of fact, there's a Proverbs that says that God directs the steps of the godly. So why should we worry about the process? And I was reading that just the other day thinking, oh my goodness, it's the process that's messing me up. I have forgotten that God has my next steps already planned. I'm trying to figure out the process and the Bible saying God has the steps. Don't worry about the process. And so as we look at this, we've got to come and we got to say, hey, look, I, I can't have a comeback until I'm willing to, to look at the fact that I'm in a setback, that something's happened in my life that set me back and, and it's not where I want to be. If we want to look at this clearly, let's look at the prodigal son. I mean, the prodigal son partied and lived a great life until he was broke, lonely and hungry. Broke, lonely, hungry, dirty. He sits there and what's he start thinking? My, my father's servants are eating better than me. And in that mindset, he got to the place of realizing, I can go back to the Father. And I firmly believe that Jesus Christ gave that prodigal parable so many times uh, for so many different things in our lives and different occasions that we're going to go through. I think he was really making clear that there's so many principles we can take from that. But the one I want you to focus on today is at some point of the prodigal's life, the life he wanted wasn't the life he had. And the life he did experience was gone because it had been wasted. And he found himself in the desperate situation, in desperate need. And at that moment, he thought, I can go to my father. And so I don't know where you are today. I know this has been an emotional roller coaster of a week for myself and my family. I know it's been that for many others. Matter of fact, one of our pastors right now had to slide out because uh, his, his in-laws house burnt down early this morning and they're dealing with that emotion of what they're going through. And, 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 oh my goodness, I can't imagine the devastation of losing everything, which by the way, we should be lifting them up in prayer. And we probably will throw out some needs later that we are going to call on y'all to 
step up as a family and a community to come around them and meet. But understand that in those situations when life is just not the way you thought it was going to go or just not working out the way you think it should, it's not time to sit down and figure it out. It's time to get up and get to Jesus. It's time to get to the word of God. It's time to come to God with an open heart and an open mind. Bring the shameful things. Bring the hurtful things. Bring the painful things that are going on in your life and give them to God. At some point, you've got to stop going to the Dr. Phil's and you've got to go to the throne of the Almighty who controls the universe and speaks it into existence with his words and palms it in his hands in its orbits. And God is in control of your life with a script that he has written, with a plan that he has in place with angels protecting and guiding and a Holy Spirit invading and leading through your life. Stop going to everything else and come to God. Know that when you get there, he's going to start working on your soul. He's going to start renewing that mind. That's David. If you read the Psalms, you see that David went through a lot of emotional roller coaster in single chapters. He would start off a chapter with how bad life is and end up a chapter with how good God is. He would start out with, my friends are abandoning me, but you are faithful. In other words, he knew that in his life, things were terrible and he didn't want them. God, have mercy on me. God, renew my soul. God, empty my heart, clean my spirit. David prayed those prayers, but in the midst of praying those prayers, he was bringing that hurt and that heavy to God. And I'm telling you right now, I think a lot of times we're taking our hurts and our heavies to the opinions of others. We're taking our hurts and our heavies to our social medias. We're taking our hurts and our heavies to everybody else in the world, hoping that somebody can make us feel loved, hoping that somebody can put us back on track. But the truth is they've got their own problems too. And there's not a person in the world that can heal you, love you, care for you, or secure you like Jesus. And Jesus is looking and he's preaching and it's his own words. And he says, hey, come to me. All of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In Isaiah 40, it tells us he gives power to the weak. In, in John 6, verse 37, it, it, it tells us that he wants us to come to him. He wants us to lay the things on his shoulder. So number one, today, if you're in that situation, you're going through hardship, you're going through difficulty, it's time to come to God. Now let's look at the next one. When you get there, you need to take something. Um, I don't know about you. I, I actually, true story, living story in my life that's happening right now. And I hope my doctor's not watching this. Um, but I went to my doctor for something that was going on in my life about six months ago. My doctor prescribed a medicine and told me that I needed to take it. The method of taking it is not something that I'm okay with. And so because I'm not okay with it, guess what I have sitting on my um, sink or vanity, I guess that's what you call it, in my bathroom at my house a full bottle of this medicine. It's not been used, not been taken because I don't like the way that I'm supposed to apply it. All right, so follow this. So here's the thing that my doctor's saying will help me. I went to the doctor because I needed help. The doctor gave me solution. I have the solution. It's sitting in my bathroom, but I don't like the application, so I'm not using it. Now, let's be real. I feel like a lot of times, and, and by the way, just a little preview that you probably already know, I still have the problem, all right? It's not, it's not getting better. I need to work on it. Now, it's not a huge problem, and it's not anything major. I don't need any new rumor of some diagnosis that's not true. It's not life-threatening. It's more of a, it needs to be fixed, right? And so understand this. Like, I think a lot of times that's how we go to church. We go, we know we need God. That's the only reason we're here. The only reason you're logged in at your home right now instead of eating a donut and watching a TV show is because you are seeking God. And I know that's the desire of your heart. It's the desire of mine. How many times do I get in my devotional set and I'm seeking God? I'm like, God, I have this issue. My heart is heavy. My life isn't where I want it to be. I'm, I'm not the person that you created me to be. How often do we come to the doctor and we give him our problems and he gives us a, a verse? He gives us an antidote. He gives us a medicine. His Holy Spirit convicts our lives or challenges our lives or impresses himself on our lives to go do something else. And we get this antidote and then it's like, well, I really don't like the application. I don't like what this is going to make me have to do. I don't like what this is going to make me have to give up. Everybody wants to be healthy, but we don't want to give up our sugar and caffeine. Everybody wants to be something, but we don't want to put the effort. We see the guy with the muscles and we want the muscles, but we don't want to lift the weights. So we're looking for the easy way there. And we're finding that there's no rest and easy. Um, there's no riches and easy. There's nothing that comes good from easy. 
And God never promised that it would be easy, but what he did say, and what Jesus did ask, is he said, come to me, and if you're going to come to me, take something. Take something. So you say, well, what should I do once I get to Jesus? Ready? And here it is. It, it, it's really a one-point thing that we're going to break down a few different ways, but um, it, it's one that I struggle with. I know you're going to struggle with, too. Um, if you're anything like me, if you're human, you have an area of your life you're going to struggle with this. Ready? When you come to God, you have to give up control. And you have to say, okay, God, I'm not going to control my life anyway. Matter of fact, you want change in an area of your life that you have not been able to change? Surrender control of that area to somebody else. If you say, well, I'm terrible with finances, get a financial coach and surrender your ability. Surrender, yeah, I know of someone that had to give up their debit cards and checking accounts, checkbook, and you're like, oh my goodness, that's total control. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you stay in control or I stay in control of certain areas of my life, our lives are going to be radically out of control and things will be totally messed up. And if it's true change that you want in your life, you got to get to God and give up control. Now look at what he says here. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Now, I know in our lifetime, we think rest means stop, but God says, okay, rest means starting to do it a different way, starting to see it a different way. If you remember, we said that one of the things that makes people change is perspective. When we get a different perspective on life, when I see my family different, then, then I change the way that I behave towards them. When I see you or I see a church or I see the calling of God's life on God on my life differently and I see it clearly, then change can take place. And so when we get to Jesus, the rest of God is not stop. The rest of God is we're going to keep going. We're just going to do it different. And so we've said this before, so I'm not going to say it too long, but write this down. What's the yoke of God do? Number one, it lightens the load because he, 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 he's yoked with you. We give that analogy oftentimes, and we've said it. You can go through maybe several messages over the past six, seven, eight, ten, eleven years that we've been preaching here at Grace, and hear that the analogy of a yoke is two ox in one thing going in the same direction, right? And so what happens is, is it's lighter because it becomes shared. It's lighter because the yoke doesn't dump more on you. It actually takes more off of you. And when God says, take my yoke on you, it's not that Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to give you a million things you've got to do. It's just simply saying, we're going to do this instead of you trying to do this. We're going to heal your marriage. We're going to get you out of addiction. We're going to make you stronger. We're going to get you better financially. We're going to teach you how to invest. We're going to teach you how to live within means. We're going to teach you how to be a friend and how to be faithful and how to be loyal. We are going to do it instead of you trying to figure it out. Because the truth is, and I've learned this in my life, especially lately, it's more in view. Every decision that I'm making in life and everything that I am, the anxieties even that I have are rooted to a belief system that was born into my experiences as a child and taught through the things that we went through. And so the more that I've gone through, the more I've developed who I am. And the truth is that is scary. Because I have gone through some difficult things as you have. I've made mistakes as you have. And as we do that, we start to get belief systems based on what we thought about the moment instead of belief systems that will impress the rest of our lives. And so now we see the rest of our lives through a filter of a moment instead of seeing the rest of our lives through the filter of the opportunity that God has given us to be successful, to be prosperous, and to make something out of ourselves. And I know that there's been many circumstances in my life that have put goggles on me that have made it to where I see life through the hurt or through what somebody said instead of through the promise of God and the presence of God and the power of God in my life. And sometimes I need to get yoked to Jesus simply because I need someone else, not a person, a God and the only God that can see clearly where I need to go because it's unclear to me where I am. It's unclear to me where I need to be. And it's definitely unclear to me sometimes where life is going. So he says, come to me and let's share this love. Let's, 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 let's put it on others. I, I'll be honest, there's many people living and, and, and listening and, and, and working through their own issues in life right now that are probably even tuned into this or sitting in this room. That right now life is overloading and stressful, not because God has overloaded and stressed you out, but because you're trying to live your life in a single corporation by yourself instead of a partnership with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God. And if we would just share the yoke of God, if we would just take his yoke, 
In other words, okay, it sounds like this, and maybe you bow your heads right here, and you say this simple prayer, God, I've tried it my way. My way doesn't work. From here forward, your way, let's risk it all. Your way, I give it all. I surrender the rights to be the the one in charge of this, and I surrender the rights to be the one in charge of that. I'm going to give you complete control, and every decision I make, I will run through your word, through your spirit, and through prayer. Everything I do, I will run through your throne, knowing that there's a power that runs from your throne that can never run from my heart, but it will run from that throne to this heart. And so from your throne, I will live my life. From your will, I will take my steps. From who you are, I will have my being, and From there, God, I know that you will take me where I need to be. You will make the decisions that need to be made. You will better. You will bring good, not harm. You're a just God, a faithful God. You will balance the scales. So today, God, I give control as I come to you, but I take your yoke. I take your will, your plan, your desire for my life, and I put it into my life as a priority. I'm telling you, if that can become something that's real in our lives, we will see radical change. And not just our lives and who we are, but in our personalities and in our relationships and the things around us. Today, we need to partner with God. In Psalm 55, verse 22, he's saying, put your load on God's shoulders. I mean, take what you've got and stick it on his stairs. I I would say this right now. If there's any area, matter of fact, I think I heard this from John Woodward. It might not be him. I listen to a lot of podcasts too. But if there's any area of your life that you are overloaded or stressed, it is a revelation that there's an area of your life that is yoked to something other than Jesus. And at any point of our life, we can be yoked to 12 different things. You know, I can, I can be yoked to God when it comes to my family and trusting God and loving God and praying over my kids and praying over our relationship, but yoked to my financial prosperity and the pressures of financial stability at the same time. And next thing you know, I've got one yoke pulling me one way and another yoke pulling me another way. And I feel like I'm being torn apart. Matter of fact, if you've ever felt like the weight of the world is crashing down on you, check what you're yoked to. His burden is easy and light. What that simply means is not easy as the road's not challenging. Easy as in you don't have to take the road alone. Easy as in you've got an almighty God working for you. And if you're taking the steps he's leading, if you're following the plan that he has, you're going to see a lot of cool things that God can do in your life. Romans 3.28, another reminder of this. As a matter of fact, let's be honest, some of us in this room or some of us in this call, we're yoked to the opinions of others. We're yoked to pain of loss. We're yoked to all these other things going on in our lives. And if we're not careful, the enemy will start whispering, you are crazy. And you might not hear it that way. Matter of fact, it might sound like this. You get on people's nerves. Nobody wants to be around you. Have you ever heard something like that in your mind? Like you are too much. Like, have you ever asked anybody? I've asked this to my wife. Am I being too much? Am I I too far here? You, You know what's happening? When you feel like that's happening in your life, you're yoked to something other than God. He keeps in peace all whose minds are fixed on him. Hey, come to Jesus. But when you get there, take something. And don't take and run away. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, take. Let's get yoked together. And the truth is, is when we're doing this, what, what have we said before? You, you find that you start learning, right? And, and let's hit that before we get to rest, right? We learn, and that's the third word. We learn a, a lot of things. Number one, we learn his methods. If I'm yoked to Christ, I learn how he works. Like, how does he handle this situation? You know, an ox in a field yoked with another ox has to learn the behaviors of that ox in order to be successful themselves. And so if I'm yoked to Christ, I'd learn how he would respond to the person that's saying what they're saying to you. How he would respond in that traffic that you're stuck in. How he would respond when your schedule doesn't go the way that you thought it would go. Or the person says something to you that you never should have said. He teaches you his methods. And I've, I've often said this. The church knows the message of God, but a lot of times forgets the method of God. And because we get those things messed up, the message is never heard. But if we get the message of God, meaning Jesus is Savior and Lord, and he will rescue and change anybody's life, and then we get the method of God that we love people no matter who they are. And that, that's what I love about coming to Christ. Jesus doesn't matter who you are or why you come to him. He just wants you to come, right? And and, and if I can learn that, that God's method is to accept all, never reject any, never to turn his back on anyone or, or anything that's going on in somebody's life, make it a disqualifier to what they deserve from him. If I learn his method, 
then I treat people better and I, I do things different. If I learn that Jesus never saw a storm that he didn't think he could walk on, then maybe I could see the storms a little bit different as waves that could drown me. Instead of that, maybe it's the waves that God uses to elevate us and to, to show us who he is. He, he never made a sea. He was scared across, never met a crowd he didn't think he could feed. He never saw an opportunity as an overwhelming roadblock. He always saw it as a way to make God known and show God to others. And if I could learn his method of when he gets to the lake and sees the storm, he says, with God, we get across, then maybe I can get to the storm of life and realize that, hey, he can't sink the boat. Satan can't steal the cell. He can't do all these things because there is a God who is still the master of seas, the God who still calms the storm, calms the waves, and at his voice can command nature. And if I can believe that God has power over nature, then I know that he still rules and reigns in the spiritual realm, has total authority, and even in the areas I can't see, God is working and doing things. Even in the areas I can't go, he goes before me preparing ways and wildernesses. And I can stop and say, wow, my perspective is different because the method of Jesus is different than the method of me. Uh, My method sometimes turns into panic. My method sometimes turns into worry and anxiety. But his method turned to prayer. His method turned to, to the promises of God and a trust in God. And so if I'm yoked with him, I, I learn. Learn of me. Learn of me, he said. Let me teach you who I am in the NLT version. Let me show you what I am. I'm telling you right now, I need to get to God in some areas of my life, and I know some of you do too. I need to get yoked with God in certain areas of my life, and some of you do too. In the vision of what God's going to do in Grace Community, let's just get yoked with God. In the vision of what God's going to do in our families, let's just get yoked with God. Our businesses, let's get yoked with God. Our finances, just get yoked with God. He'll teach you the method of how to be a good steward. He'll teach you the method of how to be a good husband, a good wife, a good child. He'll teach you how to be those things. You don't have to know it. He knows it. Get to him, yoke with him, take from him, and you'll learn his method. But not only do you learn his method, you learn his pace and his timing. Um, uh, In other words, there's a word for that that I really don't like to use um, because I'm really bad at it and I need the grace of God even more. I I, I learned in James 1 that he works this out through troubles and tribulations. Our endurance grows, our patience grows, but there it is. When we're yoked with God, we learn patience. Um, and I don't know about you, but um, absent being in God's word is not a word normally in my vocabulary, but it's a word that needs to be applied there because patience takes away anxiety and stress. So as I'm yoked with him, I learned his timing. I learned his pace. Number three, I wrote this one down. I learned the direction that I need to go. Um, if you're sitting there in your life right now and you just don't know what to do, get yoked with Jesus. Take, learn. I promise you he'll make clear. The word is a lamp to my feet, right? And a light to my path. You know what I love about that verse? Is it gives me today and tomorrow. It shows me the now with a hope of the future. I can hold it up and see where we're going, but I can shine it down and know exactly the step I need to take. I don't know if you're like me in this situation too, but a lot of times I want the word of God to be a spotlight to tomorrow instead of a presence in today. And I'll read it wanting to figure out the world's problems. And typically my problems are are issues that we're facing and challenges that are going on. I want to find solutions and all these other things. And I'm always looking like a lighthouse out to sea to see what's out there. And the truth is when I come to God, it's not about how we're going to get there or where we're going as much as it's about the next step we're going to take in the process to get there. And so what would happen if coming to God and taking from God and learning about God made us more give us this day our daily bread instead of God, give me the inheritance for the rest of my life. Give us this day makes us a child of God that is diligent in him. The son of God was like that. Give me the future makes us a prodigal and the future will burn through. We'll waste those opportunities if we're trying to live those today. So today as I'm learning of God, I learned that I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I have a God that's holding tomorrow also directing me and leading me today. We learn the direction, which leads to this. We learn how to trust him. And trusting in the Lord is one of the most important, I think, attributes to physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health that we can have. To know that God will not fail us. He will never leave us, never forsake us. He will never turn his back on us and he will never falter or fail. Matter of fact, today, I think it's important that we kind of write these things in, in our notes if you're taking them. 
there's two reasons that we typically get overloaded. Um, I read this in a, in a book many years ago. Aggressive behavior and arrogance. Aggressive means I have to get it done. I have to do it my way. This is the way we're going to go. And no one's going to change my mind. I'm aggressive. I'm a go-getter. I'm, and I hear people call that passion. And it can be a form of passion. We always say this. Passion is the gas pedal to the vehicle of your life. Compassion is the brakes. Passion will drive you over everybody. Compassion slows you down and helps you care about people in the process. And you need both. But sometimes we get driven and we're so aggressive. It's like, no, 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 now, 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 do, 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 go, go, go. And God says, no, rest, rest, rest. Come to me. Trust me. Yoke with me. Listen to me. Follow me. And we will get there. Passion says, I got to go all the way. And God's version of our life is, I trust you with this day. Knowing that if I trust you with this day, I can trust you with every day. I can trust you with all my days. Matter of fact, would you write this down? In the, in the verse uh, that we, we read, it, it read in verse number 29, he says, I am humble and gentle at heart. Aggressive is the enemy, if you would, or opposite of gentle. Aggressive means I will run over who I need to run over. Gentle says, I will raise you up as I go. I will do this with you and we will learn. I won't command and demand. I'll teach. And I'm thankful today that God did not send his son to be a commander. He sent him to be a teacher so that not only we could know the things of God or know the godliness of him, we could become it. And so understand this. A commander never teaches someone how to become. They just always dictate what somebody does. But a teacher will say, I'll raise you. I'll make you better. I went yesterday um, to Chattanooga because my nephew was playing at a basketball game and uh, my brother's his coach and my nephew was approaching a milestone of hitting a thousand points in his basketball career in high school. And this week has kind of shaped me to realizing that sometimes the most important things in life are not things and they're not more. It's, it's embracing what you have. And let's be honest, the most important thing we have in our life is the loved ones that God has put around us and the love of God that he's given us through Jesus. And so yesterday we found a way and uh, I went down there to watch that game, saw him hit that thousandth point and the game stops and they hand him everything and they give him a ball that says Jackson's thousandth point. I'm so proud. And all of a sudden they announced and joining him on the court is coach Daniel Moore, who actually happens to be his father. And in that moment, this verse came echoing out because I have a God that sits on a throne that doesn't say, I know how to play the game. I have a God that sits on his throne saying, let me teach you how to play the game. And the Bible doesn't say that we will sit under his reign forever when it comes to Jesus Christ. It says we will rule and reign. Somebody say it with me. With him forever. And equality and elevation. You're like, I don't like to learn. Learning raises you. And Jesus says, I want to teach you, but not because I, 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 I want to dictate your life and take away the fun that the world would call fun or make you miss opportunities. No, I want to raise you higher. And what I love is this. And here's a true story. And Daniel, if you're watching, I'm sorry. Daniel never came close to a thousand points in his career in high school of hitting that. But because he knows the game and was willing to teach, he raised his son to a level higher than himself. And I read in my Bible all the time where the Bible says he will raise us up. We are a holy generation of priesthood. And then he puts this word in front of it, a royal priesthood. And I look at that and I listen to my life and I say, I don't deserve it. But we have a great teacher that doesn't sit there and say, this is who I am. He says, you can be like this too. As on earth, what, what does it say? As it is in heaven. God, that your will would come down here and be lived out here the same way you're living it there. That the power that sits in the throne room of heaven right now is walking and invading our universe and our world. It's invading our hearts. It's in your living room right now. It's in your car. It's in this building. It's in this place that is spirit that touched the waters and created all these currents that cannot be stopped by man. It's invading our hearts and our children are learning that song. As the spirit was moving over the waters, spirit come move over us. And so we took this, uh, one of our teachers, uh, Alicia, in, in our practice last week 
stopped and she said, do you know what that means? What does it mean for the Spirit to move on us? And we stopped and we taught these children how the Spirit of God, the Bible says in creation, flick that water. I mean, I say flick, it doesn't use that word. But it says he touched the water and every wave came crashing and every current went going. And water is the most powerful, feared force of nature on the planet. And I think to myself, it took a touch of the Spirit to do that. And then I hear a verse that says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. It lives in us. And today, we don't have a God or a teacher that's saying, I want you to learn because you're going to do what I said because I said so. He said, I want you to learn because you're going to do greater things. Don't you love that when Jesus looked at his disciples? You will do greater things than you've seen me do. Because God is not interested in only elevating himself. He's interested in raising his entire family and kingdom with him. And today, when I learned to trust God, I learned to know that he has a better plan for me than I could ever have. A better vision for me than I could ever see. He has a peace that passes understanding that can invade my heart in this moment. And so instead of turning to sad songs or or sappy movies that, that make my heart break in a time of loss, I turn to the word of God and I know that my God, according to Corinthians, is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are in trouble with the same comfort that we've been given of God. I can go to a John 14 and say, let not your heart be troubled. It doesn't mean don't let it be broken. It just simply means don't let it lose hope that this God, this Jesus that came to give us life is gone to prepare a place for us and will come again that today every loved one we have has seen streets of gold if they have a heart and a faith in God and they are living with him and living in perfection that even as we watch bodies go into the ground we realize that their souls have invaded heaven and that the things of this earth will one day pass away and all things will become new and I don't know about you I am ready for an all new kind of day and God says I've got that it's coming learn of me and until you get there let heaven come down here and let God's peace rule your life. The second thing that we talk about that makes us overloaded in stress is not just the arrogance or the aggressiveness. It's the arrogance, the arrogance of thinking that this is up to you. It's up to me. That it all depends on you. It all depends on me. Arrogance is the opposite of humility. Jesus says, come and you're going to learn. I'm gentle and I'm humble. Matter of fact, can I give you this? Learning and success can only happen in a gentle, humble life. When I realize I need to learn, I'm humble. When I realize I need to be taught, we say this all the time in business. If you think you know everything, look around you. You've hit the level of success. And it'll be the max level that you'll ever hit. You've climaxed. This is it. The moment you stop learning... You have achieved everything you're going to achieve. But I know in my life, I have a long way to go in a lot of areas. Um, I, matter of fact, all areas, right? There's room to grow. Matter of fact, write that in your notes. Put it big. There is room to grow. And James tells us when we go through all these testings and all these trials that our endurance, our faith, our patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow, right? I don't know about you, but maybe our prayer needs to be in this area, in this season of God, teach me. And not praying that you're hoping he's teaching. No, we know he's teaching. God, teach me loud and clear because I'm stubborn. God, let your conviction fall on my life on a daily basis and let it rain in my heart so that I can see and hear clearly the things that you're trying to show me. God, what is it that you're going to bring from this? This breakdown, what breakthrough is coming? This Red Sea, I know you're going to part. So while I stand here on a shore of a sea, I don't know how I'm going to cross. God, teach me how to have a faith that at any moment, at any time, you can split it for me like you split it for Moses. And how can I trust you more? God, teach me. And Don't allow the noise of the world to become my anthem. Take from me anything that would keep me from knowing you and seeing you and depending on you the way I need to teach me. And if we come and we take and we learn, we have rest. You know, I, I, I look at this and I think many times I have seen in my life that I have wanted to rest, take the Sabbath and make it holy and the rest of God. And I started thinking about that, you know, um, that one of the 10 commandments was on the seventh day, they couldn't work. And, and, and I was reading that and I was like, you know, 
However, that on the seventh day, there were still things that they did have to do. They, they couldn't work, but they, they still had to worship. They, they had to atone for sin. They had to get it right. They had to make sacrifices, but they, they didn't work anything that had to do with physical or financial. Anything that had to do with the everyday lives and finding out how you're going to eat and doing those things. But the seventh day was set aside to let God do a work in renewing of the soul. And I don't know where we got away from that in our world. And I, I don't know. I get sidetracked and sometimes it's go, go, go. And it's never stop and let God do a work. And so can I understand and, 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 and tell you something that God's kind of revealing to me is, is the seventh wasn't set aside so you did nothing. The seventh was set aside so you focused on what was the most important thing. And that was my relationship with God and who I am in him and what he has for me. I learn, I take, and then I can go. Without spiritual help. We're in a whirlwind of problems in every other area of our life. And so today, I just want to give a shout out. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you came to God. Maybe you went to the doctor and you told him the problem. And maybe God's giving you the prescription and he's giving you the antidote and he's speaking to the needs of your life. You're taking, the, the question is, are you learning? Are you, are, you, are you willing to take what he's offering? Matter of fact, for some of you, you're sitting there deep and lost in sin and, and you're thinking that I got to get cleaned up. And I heard my brother say this, uh, they, they were quotes in my dad's Bible and, and he was reading them the night after his funeral and he was reading them to us. And it was like, you, you, you don't figure out what's going wrong with your car before you take it to a mechanic. It was things like that. You, you, you don't figure out what's going wrong in your life before you go to a doctor. You go to the doctor and figure out your life. You go to the mechanic and figure out your car. So stop trying to figure out your life before you take it to Jesus and just take your life to Jesus and let him figure it out and then he can diagnose and then he can cure and then he can fix and retool but sometimes it's like we come to God but we don't want to take what God's telling us to do I don't know if that's you I don't know if you're the person that has it but you're not willing to learn his method his way his thing I don't know where you're at today but maybe it's time that you hear this it's time to rest in Jesus and you'll never get there without come take learn come take learn come Jesus, get sick of the way you feel, get sick of the routine, get to God. Take, get yoked with Christ, get a partnership in life. You may be sitting there, as I was saying, the one that's lost, and it might be time for you to say, okay, God, I, I need you. I don't have to understand you or know you, I just need you. Can I tell you this? I have zero personal relationship with any of my doctors. And before I was even referred to them, had no clue they existed. Three of them, I can't even pronounce their names. I have no idea what they do outside of their practice and no idea what cars they drive, who they're married to, what children they have. I have zero inclination of who they are. But somehow my physical mind can say, I trust my doctor enough to prescribe that doctor and I will walk into a stranger and let them see things, touch things, do things and learn things about me that I would never tell anybody that I met on the street. And yet somehow when it comes to the things of God, Satan has us convinced that we have to know everything about him for him to be able to help us. And the truth is, if I can walk into a complete stranger and believe that they can physically heal my body, and I should be able to go into the King of Kings and believe that even if I might not know him and how he works in this situation, I'm going to yoke with him because he knows what he's doing. He's better than any doctor. He's better than any therapist. He's better than anybody that you've ever been in a relationship with. But the truth is, is you got to get to him and say, I give control and at some point when we surrender that control we let him have control and we let him start to lead us Not, I, the last thing that I'm going to say about the yoke and we'll close he'll take us with him into places we never dreamed we could go and not only will you see that he's leading and guiding but you're going to see new scenes that you've never seen before you'll be the husband your wife doesn't recognize the wife your husband doesn't recognize. You'll become the, the teenager that your parents, they start asking questions. What happened to you? I'll close with a Max Licato story. It's always been one of my favorite ones. A little girl back in the time of the, the mobile printing press that, uh, that, that, that they used to have to print the word of God because it was illegal to make it into the common language of man. You literally Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. This was pre-Martin Luther King. Martin Luther was burned at the stake because he took the Bible and he, he made it 
available to the normal person, not it, not so that a church could have control over what people believed about the Bible, but that somebody could get in the Bible on their own and form a personal relationship with God. A punishable crime, uh, punishable by death, and he was burned at the stake. But they had these mobile printing presses where they would make as many copies of the Word of God as they can, and when somebody would find out where it is, they would move it. It's matter of fact, one of the reasons the mobile printing press was made. And I, I, there was a girl that, that mom started seeing a change in behavior on, on who she was. She went from a bratty little girl and a disobedient little girl to a calm little girl and a happy little girl. And one day the mom was talking to the daughter and said, what has changed in you? And the little girl had made her way into one of the rooms that the printing presses were made into and found a scrap of paper that all it said on the paper was, for God so loved the world that he gave. That was it. The mom recorded in history the story, uh, as translated and dictated by Max Licato, um, that um, the little girl reached in her pocket and produced that paper. And she said, she read it, and she said, for God's love the world that he gave. And then she said, I, I looked at my little daughter, and I asked her, what did he give? To which she replied, does it matter what he gave? The fact that he'd love us enough to give us anything is all that matters. And the truth is this. It doesn't matter all the ins and outs and jots and tittles and, and I's and T's cross of the Bible. That, that matters greatly. And God will teach you those things as you grow in him. What matters in your faith, the greatest thing in your faith, is that you believe that God loved you enough to do anything for you. And that through his love, he will do everything for you. And if you could just be embraced in this moment by the love of God that beckons you and calls you, that screams from heaven, I see that you are tired and I see that you are overloaded. Come to me. Your life would radically change just bathing in his love for one second. You'd realize that there's a God that will lead you and a God that will take you to scenes you've never seen, to places that you've never become. You will become unrecognizable as God changes your life from the inside out. I think churches are trying to change people from the outside in. I'm challenging today. Let's get to God in a place of rest and let him change us from the inside. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, on you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My prayer today is that in the warmth of your house or wherever you are in this building, maybe for the first time in a long time, you could take a deep breath and inhale some faith and rest easy knowing there's a God that loves you enough to not leave you alone in the situation you're in and to not let you carry this by yourself. There's a God that promises rest and that rest does bring change. It does bring sacrifice. It does bring worship. It does bring some effort on your behalf that I have to. But the truth is, it's easy for me to work from God's grace than to try to work for his grace. It's easier for me to work from his love than to try to earn his love. And the thing that radically changes my life and radically changes my mindset is where I am approved by God where I am through his son, not where I should be. But because of his son, we will get to where God wants us. Today, I hope that resonates with you like it's resonated with me. We love you. We definitely do miss being in church with you. I had a moment of deep sorrow yesterday when I realized we weren't going to be able to get together. We love you so much. You are a, you're a family to us. And I know all churches say that. I, I love that we can as a church say that. But I am telling you right now, I know that where you sit, God has a total shift in perspective, but you got to be willing to come to him. Hope this resonates in your heart and that you'll apply it, that you won't just keep a medicine on your on your stand and, or your vanity uh, of your heart or your mind, that you'll simply allow it to be applied in your life and let God do the work. Before we go, we're going to share those links with you that we talked about earlier. If you're an online giver, you'll see it there. If you'd like to mail a check, I'm sure in the chat, you're going to see the address of the church come in too. Beyond that, there are so many things that are coming up. Please make sure you have the 97,097000 text to that Grace Family so that you can be made aware of any alerts. Right now, God willing, we're going to have our Monday night classes and our youth. God willing. We don't know what the weather's going to do, but it's supposed to get up to 40 finally tomorrow and hopefully melt a lot of this off. If you're a teenager or you're in our grief class, you're going to want to be on that text message thread or on Facebook so that you can know if we have to cancel those. We're hoping not to, um, but just in case. 
They, uh, another thing that I want you to pray about is the uh, near a hundred, if not over a hundred ladies that'll be gathering in our church in the next couple of weeks for our women's conference, that God will just radically renew and refresh their minds and hearts and lives as they encounter him on Friday and Saturday, the second and the third of February. Keep those things ahead of you. Keep them in prayer. We're excited to see what God's going to do. I'm going to have somebody make their way over to this, and they're going to cut off this live stream soon. But I promise you this, the last thing we're going to put in that message thread on that Facebook is the church telephone number, 865-312-2335. We want to do this for multiple reasons. If you're in need, today, normally our food pantry gives groceries to tons of families. And I know that right now those families may be watching this with empty cupboards and empty refrigerators. We will not let that happen. This week, if you need us to, we will recruit some people and make some deliveries to your house. Please call that church number. I'm going to have our admins check that number on a Sunday afternoon. We normally don't do that. We will get to those today. Try to call in the next couple hours while somebody's still here, and we will make sure that in the next couple days, somebody will get groceries to where you are. If you are not warm, you need to let us know. We got blankets. We got things. We'll, we will try to get to you any shape, form, uh, or way possible, but please, we have to know. So 865 312 Two three three five. Get that in your notes there. All right. God bless you. We love you. We're going to say goodbye. We'll see you next week.